First of all, I would say never put it off. When we started the process, you know, probably some of our own people, but some of our stakeholders like, kind of, why now? Um, mm. Don't underestimate the power of positivity um, to have something to look forward to. So I, I sort of feel that having done it when we did it, um, maybe we've got a better strategy than, you know, if we hadn't have been in some really point of significant disruptions. Today, we're speaking with Sue Eddy, the Chief Executive Officer of the Victorian Building Authority. Sue has decades of experience in the public sector. She is an expert in regulation, fiscal management and governance. The Victorian Building Authority issues over 100,000 building permits, 500,000 compliance certificates and has over 50,000 registered practitioners. The VBA has recently set a bold new strategy. This outlines a plan to safeguard Victoria's future. And this strategy was developed during COVID whilst the industry was coming out of a sustained period of growth and was also navigating supply chain shortages and other repercussions from the pandemic. In this episode, we explore with Sue the importance of having a collaborative process to set a strategic direction, one that ensures that everyone understands where the organisation is heading. Sue also reflects on the VBA's recent shift to a prevention and early intervention approach through their innovative Green Channel. I'd encourage any public sector leader to listen to this podcast as it contains some practical tips which are well worth a listen, ones that reflect on when might be the right time to start a strategic planning process. There's also some great reflections on shifting to a data-based proactive regulatory stance, one that assumes that most people want to do the right thing. Well, hello and welcome, Sue, and thank you so much for joining our podcast today. Oh, lovely to be with you. So I thought I'd start with how you came to be the Chief Executive Officer of the Victorian Building Authority. Uh, well, it's an incredibly privileged position that I took up at the end of 2017. Yeah, it's, it was a great opportunity to contribute back to the community. It was a little bit like coming home. Um, I started my public uh, service and sector career uh, in Dandenong in DHHS uh, back in, well, I think it was 2002. Uh, so I really enjoyed... Um, um, you know, being being really close to the community and being able to have a direct impact. So, thought getting uh, into the opportunity of the CEO uh, in the building regulation space when there was some really significant in- uh, issues to help the community and the industry with was a great way of serving the wonderful people of Victoria. I'm interested, how did you find it moving from, you know, background in central government agencies to moving into a regulator? What's that transition been like for you? Yeah, uh, it's interesting. I mean, it's, um, you know, I did start uh, in DHS uh, in health and human services uh, on the ground out in Dandenong. So um, I suppose while I've been in policy more recently, I've always been, you know, heavy and operational uh, in all of the parts when you work across government. I've worked in many different settings. You're really bringing a a frame to uh, a way of um, solving strategic problems. So, um, you know, partly I trained as a chartered accountant and like engineers and others, the discipline gives you a framework of which to kind of move across many, many different um, disciplines and types of work, which I, I found really helpful over time. Before joining uh, the Victorian Building Authority, Sue, did you have a personal connection to building regulation? 
Uh, only so much in that I'm, you know, one of the very privileged Victorians who owns uh, a home. Um, we had done renovations over the time. We'd had uh, trades come to the house. Uh, you know, so, some good experiences, some different experiences. I've seen our communities change over time with planning uh, law changes and, and building uh, projects underway. You know, and yeah, those those things really do impact uh, the memories that you have uh, at your home, which is such an important place for many of us and an important part of our economic participation, our well-being, and seeing what our communities go through. So, you know, pretty much just as a member of the community. Renos are never fun, that's for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, I think, um, you know, it's like anything working across the system. If you've got that lived experience from the other side, you know, you do bring that. To, to work and you can really put your put yourself in the shoes of others and you know I remember when we did our um, works you know you, the, the building system regulation was foreign to me so there's a lot you're having to learn mm-hmm. uh, it's a really stressful time because you know you, it's, it's your family home you, you're disrupting your family uh, it's a big financial cost uh, and you're trusting, you know, you're trusting the trades and other things as part of that system. So, yeah, I did learn a lot, a lot through through that. And, you know, it's just such a critical part to um, economic growth and having, you know, spent time in economic portfolios, you know, I could really see an opportunity to contribute in a different way to Victoria through this job. Well, let's talk a bit more about that contribution. In 2022, the Victorian Building Authority launched a bold new strategy designed to safeguard our future as Victorians. So your plan was developed during COVID and was also set out to guide the VBA for the next five years. How did you go about developing that plan? I guess particularly considering that it was developed during COVID. And how did you go about ensuring everyone was on board with the strategic objectives, considering that complex stakeholder landscape you have at the VBA? Yeah, so it is a, it is a very um, complex stakeholder environment for us. Um, I suppose, you know, our plan, yes, it was set in the context of COVID where there was so much disruption, but it was also set against a backdrop of that you know, continuously evolving building and plumbing industry uh, across our community. So we knew that we needed to develop a plan that was going to be relevant, uh, relevant to all the key groups, so relevant to builders, relevant to plumbers, relevant to the industry's stakeholders, and, you know, essentially relevant to every Victorian. During the pandemic, uh, we were all using our homes in a really different way to what, um, you know, we yeah. traditionally thought of our homes, workplaces, everything was one or don't know about you, um, but you know, okay. yeah. <laughs> it became the the home, the hospital, and and the office. So yeah. um, it was it was really, uh, I suppose, an opportunity. It was quite an opportunity for us to think about our strategy differently in the context of that change that was unfolding around us, uh, and you know how we how the future of housing uh, and our communities, you know, public uh, infrastructure uh, may change into the future, and that important role that we had in regulating the sector. Um, so we developed the, the strategy around three important public value outcomes. And these are safe and resilient buildings, uh, communities reaching their potential, and a confident and thriving industry. And each of these outcomes have a direct relevance to all Victorians, but particularly in relation to the, those segments of our stakeholder base. Um, I think, you know, we saw through the, the COVID and the pandemic, 
that having a well-regulated and highly skilled uh, construction and building sector that embraced innovation uh, was really important in terms of bringing those outcomes to life for us all. Mm. Uh, our stakeholders, you know, they're incredibly important um, to us in helping us to deliver for Victorians, whether that's at the government level, the industry level, uh, or the community level. And so we wanted to make sure that our strategy um, picked up those important voices and helped deliver those messages to, to builders and plumbers, um, but also provide you know meaningful feedback to us in the development of the strategy that helped guide that vision. So it's a really collaborative process. I think if I recall back then, uh, it, it was a it was a piece we we could focus around with positivity. It was very much an outlook beyond COVID. But I think it really helped everyone focus and gather around, you know, what would be um, important future state for Victoria. You know, coming out of the pandemic, you know, even in the early days, we knew the importance that our sector would be to um, mm -hmm. economic growth and livability into the future. So, yeah, it was a really inclusive process that I think at the time provided some relief, I suppose, in a way that we were spending some time in the strategic space um, yeah. while also dealing with, you know, a really heavy here and now operational load to keep keep the sector open and, and buildings being built um, to the safety standards and compliance standards required. Yeah, it's incredibly fascinating, Sue, hearing you talk about the importance um, of connecting in with all those different stakeholders, but also allowing the space for the strategic discussions to happen. I think particularly when there's something like COVID occurring, we can be so stuck in that operational reactive mode. It yeah. can be difficult to step out. Yeah. It was kind of, it was energizing to be, you mm. know, it was really Oh, we had fantastic participation from our people, from industry stakeholders at a time when everyone was really incredibly busy, mm. um, but also worried, you know, worried about their families, worried about their communities, worried about their jobs and the sector as a whole. So it became this sort of light on the hill um, that really enabled us to, to get energy from the process and to take us out of the operational. And look, we're coming up to, you know, around about a year since your strategic plan has been launched. How have you found that has bolstered you um, when during and coming out of COVID, the building industry in particular has faced so many ongoing repercussions and shocks? Yes, absolutely. Look, it's been a you know it's been a, a challenging time. There was increased activity, uh, which had its own um, challenges. Um, you know, then all of the supply chain issues and, and access to skilled labour. So, you know, that's off the back of a sustained growth period. So we can't forget that. Mm -hmm. earlier, you know, it wasn't just activity um, driven by um, stimulus packages through the pandemic and the disruption. You know, the industry had, had had this really long period of sustained growth um, for decades. So um, I think it you know it really showcased the industry as a whole um you know its resilience in the face of disruption to those traditional business models and i think for us and for industry as the stimulus ended and that 
residential building demand um, probably came back to more of a normal cycle. Mm. Um, it really gave us something to all get around and focus on uh, in terms of we now had a, a strategy for building regulation in Victoria is the outcomes that we all agreed on. So we could get really focused on what success looked like at the end, mm. narrow focus of the conversation was, well, how do we get there? How do how does the regulator change and evolve um, to deliver and achieve those outcomes? And of course we can't do that in isolation, you know, of our yeah. other regulatory partners, but also working, you know, with industry. So it's really um, framed everything we do, the clarity of what we're trying to achieve and that buy-in to what success looks like really has helped us with our relationships and support of the sector coming out of COVID, but it's also helped really focus our people mm. around what matters and that really critical role that we have in compliance and uh, building safety. So I think it's yes, yeah, it's, it's been it's been a, a focus, a focus that's just got embedded within us and now again, energised, I think it energised our people about something positive to look forward to and we have to work hard at. Um, yeah. It's not, as we said, it's an ambitious strategy. It requires us to really reform ourselves to a better practice state and, you know, everything that we do. So, um, yeah, an important frame for our people. Have you found any ways to track progress as a way to maintaining that momentum and that energy you've spoken about through the development of the strategic plan? Uh, so we do have an outcomes frame, outcomes evaluation framework um, under finalisation. So we've developed the framework and we're just building out yeah. the measures. I mean, we had that that piece about, you know, do you, do you hold the strategy off and wait for the evaluation mechanism or do you... Mm strategy out there's you know start embedding it and then um, deal with the measures as soon as you can after that and we obviously made the choice to go um, the latter because we thought it was important to get to get on with it and I think yeah. that's been the right call for us I think you know I see its early success in hearing my people use the language and know mm. the pillars and know how they fit into it and actually you know, people who come and work with us um, say, wow, we've never been somewhere where people really understand the strategic direction and they see their role in that. So to me, that's my early anecdote. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, as you said before, it's framing decisions. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, the measurement is, is about um, to come forward that we will then obviously measure over beyond 2027 so somewhat pragmatic way of just sort of getting getting on with it yeah absolutely and I think hearing it in the way people are talking about their work is such a good sense check on whether or not it has truly cascaded to every level within an organization so if you were sharing a forum with other public purpose leaders Sue how would you kind of communicate three top tips to them on how to ensure their strategic plan is fully embedded and they can hear their people talking about it making decisions against it and it guiding the action their organization takes moving forward uh, first of all I would say never put it off um, so I think when we started the process, you know, probably some of our own people, but some of our stakeholders like kind of why now? Um, mm -hmm. So I think, yeah. you know, in the middle of a, of a challenging environment or, or a crisis, if we want to call mm -hmm. it that, um, you know, don't underestimate the power of positivity. 
um, to have something to look forward to. So I, I sort of feel that having done it when we did it, um, maybe we got a better strategy than, you know, if we hadn't have been in some really point of significant disruption. So, you know, back your people, back your engagement, focus on, on doing it now if that's the time that's right for you. We did nearly a year, probably just under a year of consultation. Mm. Um, so our people... You know, the, our people's input into the strategy is very visible for them. And I think also, you know, for, for many of our stakeholders. So I think that my tip is, is take the time and, and mm. go deep in your consultation um, because we actually have a strategy now that it's not sitting on the shelf. We have a strategy yeah. where everyone understands what it is, their role in it. Uh, and so that buy-in I think is the most critical tip because it just enables you to accelerate, you know, through those early stages um, uh, of of implementation. Mm. And it's really what Absolutely. makes our Vision 27 come to life and deliver for Victorians. So, mm. yeah, I think that the, the, what you do before you deliver the strategy when you do it, um, and, you know, I see people every day, you know, sometimes I'm just walking past the in the corridor and now that people are back in their office and hear people talking about, oh, how does this fit into Vision 27? <laughs> that critical thinking, that purpose, your enthusiasm, embracing the strategy just means it's living in their work. You know, when you do strategy work, you always worry about, is this going to become a poster that sits on yeah. the wall and never gets lived? And I know our board was really focused on that, that that's not what we wanted and I didn't mm. want that either. So I think that the time we took and the, the depth of input we got and the iterations we did based on that feedback have really made it step. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that um, quote you just came out with there, Sue, maybe unintentionally. is a don't don't underestimate the power of positivity and, um, you know. Yeah, and it's fresh perspectives. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing, you know, there were just so many different perspectives. Mm. You know, you work with groups all the time. When you take that time to kind of really acutely listen yeah. and workshop, you know, I just, I know, I know every person who contributed made a difference to us. Well, you have been on a bit of transformation journey in the last few years at VBA talking about transformation. Um, and this was focused around creating a green channel. So we can see this approach certainly mentioned throughout um, your strategic focus outlined in the strategic plan around being fair, firm and fast as a regulator. I'm interested to understand how you embarked on the journey to becoming more proactive as a regulator, maybe explaining a bit more about what the Green Channel means to VBA and what it does. And how do you get to starting from the point of assuming most people do want to do the right thing when you're working in regulation? Yeah, great questions. Well, I think, you know, the data shows us that most people want to do the right thing. You know, we've got the vast majority of the, you know, over 100,000 building permits issued each year, nearly 500,000 compliance certificates last year and, you know, 50,000 registered practitioners. Um, you know, the ratio we have of com complaints and, and defect work and that that ends up at the really serious nature, you know, it is a small 
percentage of people who um, don't go about their work in a way that promotes confidence. So um, I think start from the data uh, and tell, you know, use that as as our basis. Um, it's also starting from that engagement. Mm. You know, practitioners tell me when I came here, um, we just want to know what to do. So tell us what the rules are, tell us really clearly, mm. we'll comply to them. And there's that overwhelming sense there's this you know request for information so um yeah and i think that's you know human nature across many different industries people people want to know what the rules are and how to comply and and you know get on and and deliver great work so Mm -hmm. for us that was really just bringing that to life um i think when you're a regulator you know part of your job is uh in deterring others or people from not you know, not not doing the right thing, is um, a lot of our outward-facing communication is about how we've uh, undertaken compliance activity. And mm. so there can be a bit of a sort of a negative sentiment. So yeah. I think part of that strategically balances what we're actually aiming for to do. Um, and, you know, we want everyone in the building system, you know, wherever you sit, to deliver a positive outcome um, for Victorians and have the client, the consumer and their safety and quality of their buildings right at, you know, right at that that forefront. So we're outcomes focused in relation to that enduring aspect. It's not just about at the build stage, it's, you know, safe, safe for life stage. So, yeah, we've been focusing our regulatory efforts for some time now on the efforts around that early intervention, on the awareness. Mm-hmm. You know, that within a really complex system, um, having worked across a number of systems in government, um, you know, building is, is pretty complex. And so we've been trying to bring together the best experts, the best information, the best ways of sharing and educating and informing uh, our industry as we move through Vision 27 to really kind of focus their effort yeah. uh, around the areas of greatest risk uh, and what, you know, what good work, what compliance looks like. So that's really kind of, you know, was the green channel was get, you know, get get people in, in, the, in the green zone, mm. get people educated. Um, we've set up a, a really uh, large scale uh, piece around a practitioner education series with thousands of, of practitioners tune in each year um, to get get our knowledge based on the insights we've had through our early intervention on building sites, or it might be the research work that we've done with others to to get that knowledge transferred to them as quickly and seamlessly as we can, because we want those behaviours to be positive uh, on site in terms of the quality and compliance of those that work. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like just really shifting your effort towards helping people do the right thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's always a balance, but mm. I think where we we want to be, you know, if we can if we can have the rules clearly understood and mm-hmm. people educated and competent to the level they need to be, then we have, we have to we don't have to spend as much time at the enforcement end, which mm-hmm. is kind of a win for everyone. And we're very conscious that, you know, as a self funded regulator, our fees come from the industry, our revenue comes from the industry. So we want to use those resources to the best strategic advantage as we can. So how do you think? that green channel approach differs from other regulation approaches we may have traditional traditionally taken 
across Victoria or even Australia? Yeah, I think regulation has been evolving. I mean, what we're doing sits under the better regulation um, principles developed by BRV in Victoria. Um, yeah, I think it, I think it's been that evidence based pace over time that you know people react less to punitive approaches and and more to educative approaches. So if we can get in early. Uh, we have a new code coming out this year in CC 2022, which has been launched on the 1st of May. If I think about the effort that the regulator put into the launch of that, you know, three years ago in 2019 to today, we've, we're far more skilled. We've got far more capacity to try and get that good guidance material out early um, so people can comply from, from day one. So, um, yeah, I think it's just generally a general better practice shift. Mm. Um, and, you know, it also reframes our organisation. Um it reframes us, you know, into one that educates and informs. Um, yeah. That's kind of our kind of sort of primary uh, focus. Um, you know, that said, um, we won't hesitate if we, if we need to to, to discipline uh, mm. or penalise those who undermine confidence in the industry, you know, if that's an appropriate thing to do. Generally speaking, human behaviour responds better um, yeah. to Know, proactive uh, education and early intervention and early advice. And our practitioner, um, we have an on-the-ground uh, early intervention uh, inspection program uh, that has been really ramped up in the last few years. I think we, you know, we used to only do, I think, in 2017, just over 2,000 inspections a year. Now we're well over 10,000, you know, sort of 10 to 13,000. And we've had really positive feedback from industry welcoming our people uh, our inspectors uh, and auditors uh, on site because, you know, industry want to see everyone operating to the same standard. That's fantastic, those stats um, that you've seen around the early intervention. What's interesting, I think, about your reflections there is it's not only a mindset shift internally for VBA, but a mindset shift with your critical stakeholders and builders in terms of how they're approaching inspectors when they are attending sites. That's right. And, you know, I think was one of our things we worried about when people first, mm -hmm. met, you know, how would they um, be treated? Uh, what would that environment be, be like for them? But it's it's been, you know, I've been really thrilled, um, you know, in the main with, with the industry's willingness to come, you know, come on the journey and, you know, get skilled, be the best they can be. Um, show that cutting corners and not understanding the rules is just not okay. It's not okay mm -hmm. for anyone and it brings everyone down, you know, yeah. in that reputational damage. So, you know, we we understand collectively our role um, in the safety and quality of the built environment but also economic prosperity into the future. So, you know, getting everyone in, into that space about their contribution keep the consumer at the heart, you know, um, we all do a great job, you know, we're going to really facilitate economic growth. And so you were reflecting earlier that Australia does have a really complex building environment compared to many other jurisdictions. And you also mentioned the better regulation principles that VBA's um, drawn from in recent years in order to create the Green Channel. 
Do you look internationally at any good practice that might be occurring there um, from other regulators? And where have you drawn insight and inspiration from to inform your regulatory craft? Yeah, great, great question. I mean, look, we do. We look far and wide uh, in the early part of um, my joining in the VBA, we brought Malcolm Sparrow out to, to have sessions with all of our people. Uh, we work with research partners all around Australia, universities uh, and other groups and internationally. Uh, we look obviously at, at building and plumbing regulation across Victoria and we've got a very strong network uh, of regulators uh, across the states and territories. So. We're intimately uh, um, averse of what they they are doing and what they are, you know, sh- talking to us about is having positive impacts. Uh, we've been working uh, in supporting the expert panel here in Victoria, who's who's doing a review of the building system. Uh, we've had conversations with Dame Judith Hackett in terms of her learnings uh, and a wealth of knowledge. Uh, I travelled with the minister. Uh, to the UK pre-COVID, where we, you know, also spoke to to the insurers and, and other uh, agencies and those involved in in some of the Grenfell inquiries. So we really do look far and wide um, about what works uh, for us in Victoria. We don't we are administration or what I would call operationalization of regulation. So we don't hold a policy function. So to get policy or regulatory change, we need to work um, through the department. And so obviously that relationship is really critical for us um, in being able to share our technical expertise, but also our research data and kind of insights from other, other places. So definitely always reaching out and looking at others and not just um, building you know, regulation, looking, working, you know, looking about what's happening, for instance, in the EPA and then their yeah. policy changes and how effective that is or work safe in safety regulation and how they go about it and the levers they use. Yes, it's a lot of, lot of our time is spent trying to harness the best from elsewhere. Probably the one theme that's emerging a lot for me is around proactiveness, be that through setting your strategy or even through your regulation approach, being a proactive regulator. What's one tip you'd give to other public purpose organisations to help them become more proactive? What guidance would you give? Oh, I think, you know, the, the mindset of, of people want to do the right thing mm. And that they actually do, you know, want to act with a high level of professionalism and integrity is a good place to start. So, I think you know the the things that go wrong and and the, the those who undermine the confidence in the industry, you know, it can get all consuming. I think if we, you know, use the evidence and data, lift ourselves up to the bigger picture and look up and beyond, um, I think it's easier, not easier, it's more effective mm. to focus on positivity and draw the sector forward with positivity and support. That's one of the things the industry, you know, that talks most to me about that, you know, how hard they find it to read uh, articles and media statements from us about those that have done the wrong thing because that's Mm -hmm. not the experience of the industry. And, um, you know, that said, it's also important to, you know, to shine the light on as a deterrent sometimes. Yeah. 
practices because we important that we acknowledge those things around some of those individual outcomes that consumers have which you know when when things go wrong you know this is really troubling for for them uh, and for us thank you so much again sue for taking the time to speak to us today we really appreciate your insights and we hope you had a great time on Cube Groups from All Sides podcast. Oh, we did. Thank you so much for the opportunity and yeah, lovely, lovely to have the chat. Our guest today has been Sue Eddy, the Chief Executive Officer of the Victorian Building Authority. At Cube, we'd like to recognise the Rwandari people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional owners on the lands on which Cube is based. If you'd like to know more about our conversation today, please visit our website at cubegroup.com.au where you'll find show notes, additional links, and can download a transcript of this conversation. Whilst you're there, you can find out more about Cube Group, our case studies, and learn about our team and our work as a purpose-driven consultancy. I'd encourage you to subscribe to From All Sides on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks again for listening.